Welcome to the Scripture Thought blog and podcast where we take scripture and we apply it to our lives through music, scripture, and other avenues. Come along with us. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast again today, everybody. This is Adam Lowe, your host. Um, Today's going to be a little bit different, usually, just for a quick reference. What I'd usually do is I, I write my blog and then I kind of just read from it and relay all that in the podcast here and so it's usually pretty connected and the same if you will um but today while there is going to be a written version you can see that at www.scripturethought.wordpress.com underneath the blog section while that will be available to check out Today, I'm actually mostly just going to be talking at you. I'm going to talk through some, some stuff. Uh, so I guess I'll just get into it. <clears throat> so if you do follow the, the blog, you'll see that every Friday I post a new uh, page that is in my series called Theology of a Song, which is just taking you know popular contemporary Christian songs and kind of breaking them down and looking at the biblical foundation and theology of each of them. And so this last Friday, I posted a song analysis on the song Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane, which, in my opinion, is an incredibly great song. It touches on the story from Job, where he basically lost everything, and in his pit of despair he never cursed God he just says though you slay me and you take everything away yet I will praise you and so that's where that song came from Um, in the chorus I mean the chorus of the song has incredibly powerful lyrics it says though you slay me yet I will praise you though you take from me I will bless your name though you ruin me still I will worship sing a song to the one who's all I need and I think that speaks to an amazing response to difficulty and trials and tribulation in life because I think it's incredibly tempting to when we go through difficult times just say screw it I'm pissed you've destroyed everything that I cared about and so I'm out it's incredibly tempting to do that I realize Um, but that that is not what trials and tribulations in life are for they are to teach us something so that we can grab onto them and then move forward with a greater understanding of grace and mercy and so with that concept in mind um i mean as an almost 40 year old i've had two very distinct seasons when i felt totally and completely destroyed and where I felt like God was nowhere to be found. And in those seasons, you know, I don't think I ever had uh, the grace that Job had in his, you know, tribulations to say, you know, still I'm going to praise you. But, uh, you know, I'm still working on it. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, as an almost 40-year-old, I still have time to figure it out. I wish I'd already figured it out, but... I'm not ashamed to admit that I am not perfect and I'm still working on trying to figure out how to 
respond in times of difficulty. So um, the first of those two seasons that I want to talk about real quick, um, this first one I'll only go into a little bit because it's a whole different story and would require a whole lot more if I were to go into it in depth. But um, So that season was, was when I was in my teens and my early 20s. So I suffered from depression a great deal. I was very lonely and discouraged. I felt like nobody could see me. Um, and while I was still able to function and do all the things that I needed to do as a individual, um, I know that I drank way too much. Um, I engaged in all kinds of behavior that did not represent the life that I thought I wanted to present. I went into some pretty dark places of harm and danger. I oftentimes would let myself be overtaken by the pain that was permeating throughout me in my life. And I made decisions that I'm not proud of. Um, there were many reasons for the darkness to have been there for the depression, but those all are less relevant than the actual depression itself because whatever the reason, depression was there and the pain was very difficult and it was very real and it took me the better part of a decade or more to get out of it. Um, so while I, I just mentioned that I, I drank too much and ex experienced lots of self-harm during that time, um, I also struggled immeasurably with insomnia. So during that time, it was actually probably for about a little over a decade, I didn't really sleep more than an hour or two a night. Um, and the reason for that is because I was plagued by nightmares of a life wasted and a life invisible. Uh, a life so insignificant that no one cared when I was gone. And it was that same nightmare that I had every single night if I was able to sleep. So it got to a point where I was just oversleeping at all and I tried to avoid it as much as I could. Um, I couldn't stand the heartache of seeing how unimportant and alone my life was in that nightmare so sleep just became something I did not care about and I did my best to avoid so for over 10 years I avoided it as best I could which is also where the drinking too much began to happen as well in those years drinking became the salve if you will to the wound that was my loneliness and it helped me to avoid the nightmares at least occasionally so fast forward then a handful of years and while I was able to get that season to subside and lie dormant a little bit I believe that you know little pieces of it did remain uh, because after several years of thriving and feeling loved and appreciated mostly thanks to my sweet wife that second season that I mentioned earlier began and this is the one that I've actually talked about before and so a lot of you guys listening or reading will know what I'm going to talk about uh, and that would be the, the season that we went through when my son was diagnosed with leukemia. So in July of 2015, Zeke, our son, was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia and he was just barely two years old at the time and that's not something that I was prepared for um, or something that I could have prepared for really. I don't think any parent really can prepare for something as horrific and awful as that. Um, and so I've written about it a few times, but I can never get through it without the heightened emotions 
coming after me and taking me down because it was such a heavy and difficult season. Um, so if all this sounds familiar, I apologize. You've heard me talk about it before. You've seen me write about it before. Uh, but I did feel like it was important to really dive in and share the whole story of that journey with Zeke uh, because it's September, and September happens to mark Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so I know that there's other families out there dealing with similar painful struggles. And as it has always been my desire to use my writing in my experiences to show others that they're not alone, I wanted to share this so that others might read or listen and be comforted in their struggles as well. So that's why I share. So after the initial phone call of, are you sitting down? I have bad news from Zeke's doctor, he, Zeke got admitted to the hospital for uh, almost a two-week stay, uh, which was filled with blood and platelet transfusions almost every day, a few minor surgeries, various procedures that he had to undergo, um, and then the beginning of his chemo treatments that would end up lasting a little over three years. Uh, so Stacia, just the week before, had found out that she was pregnant with our youngest, And so she wasn't able to stay at the hospital just because she needed to get good sleep, you know, for health reasons, being pregnant. Um, And so I stayed at the hospital during the the night. And so I would go to work during the day um, and then go to the back to the hospital early afternoon. And we would all hang out together and then Stacia would take the boys home and I would stay at the hospital at night with Zeke. Um, so this was for that whole 10-night stay when he was first admitted, and then twice a month for a four-night stay several times for several months after that. So I think it was, it was every other week, four nights a week for about three months. Um, and so it was, spent a lot of time in the hospital, and it was exhausting and discouraging and impossible to understand what all was going on because it was just so much medical jargon and medication and everything was nonsense and was just a a cloudy fog of uh, what the heck. So then shortly after diagnosis and treatment began, um, Zeke was put on steroids which ended up actually causing nerve and bone damage in his legs, making his legs weak. Um, And it also caused weight loss, or not weight loss, weight gain, sorry, Um, which made him actually pretty obese. It it was very sad to watch him um, because of the weight that he put on and the damage to his legs and the bones in his legs. He was regularly unable to stand or walk without being able to, without having assistance. So shortly after that, he got a blood clot in his arm where his pick line was. Um, and so when we noticed that at my in-law's house hanging out one day, his, his arm had swollen up to be twice as big as it was supposed to be. So we rushed him to the clinic and he had to have a quasi-emergency surgery to have that pick line removed. And then he had his portacath put in his chest, which would serve as the implanted delivery system for his medication over the next three years. So at the end of that stay, we were actually ordered to give him blood thinner daily um, after that. And so the unfortunate thing about that is that we had to do that. It was a subcutaneous shot. And so we had to give him shots every day, twice a day. And that was probably one of the worst parts of the whole 
cancer journey with Zeke is because every day one of us had to hold him down while the other of us stabbed him with a needle. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do shots. I'm sure anybody who has uh, kids with um, diabetes can attest to this. Having to give kids shots is probably one of the ugliest things that you can ever have to do to a kid. And so that was incredibly difficult for us. So then after a little more time passed, treatment kept going and moving forward, eventually got less frequent, which was fantastic. Um, the nerve and, bone dam- nerve and bone damage did get worse though, and so he had to, um, he developed a condition called foot drop, or drop foot, I don't recall which one it's called, um, which is basically the inability to use his muscles in his leg to keep his toes um, from being held up. So uh, you, you imagine taking a step, if you don't hold your foot up, um, your t- the front of your foot, your toes will droop and drag and you'll trip. So that's what was happening to Zeke from the damage in his legs from the chemo and the steroids. And so because of all that, he actually had to get fitted for leg braces. And so he would wear these leg braces that keep his, would keep his feet from dropping and so he wouldn't trip. <clears throat> so I actually have a video of him wearing them for the first time. Um, we're walking around our front yard and it was actually on my birthday so I'll never forget that so on my birthday I took this video of him wearing these leg braces for the first time walking around our front yard and he screams I can walk now I'm free and every time I watch that video it breaks my heart but it also brings me such joy Um, just the fact that he could finally feel the freedom to be able to walk without tripping was amazing but at the same time, it broke my heart to know that he had struggled so much with that up until then. Um, so the, as, as the years went on, um, treatment became less frequent. We didn't have to go to the clinic as often. Um, and then as we reached you know, close to the end, the whole thing had just felt like a whirlwind. I remember so many nights during the thick of it when it felt like Zeke wasn't going to make it. Um, I would often hold him as he was sick on the floor, either at the, ho- the hospital or at home. And I fought tears regularly. I wanted to be as strong as possible for him. Uh, and I didn't want him to feel any of the, discour- the discouragement that I felt. Um, so I put on a strong face and I didn't let him know that I was genuinely scared of what life was going to throw at us. I begged and I pleaded with God to save him, to heal him, to take it all away. It was a time of doubt for sure and uncertainty and my faith was absolutely challenged. But the big aha moment uh, that I shared about when I wrote uh, my follow-up to the Even If song by Mercy Me Theology of a Song Post talked fairly in depth about that heart change um, I had that led to freedom of holding more tightly to my faith and Zeke beginning to respond to treatment. So you can go check that out. The link is on the blog there. Um, But it's true. When I let go of that control that I thought I had of everything, things began looking better for Zeke and our whole family. And I know that was not a coincidence. So all of this to say, um, I know this is a lot of ranting and raving, but all of this to say, that I've had seasons where I felt like God was absolutely slaying me and allowing everything to be taken away from me. My happiness, my joy, my peace, all gone. Completely gone. Um, I look back on those times and I 
feel like I wasn't even myself. I was a, f- a fraction of who I was meant to be, and it was so difficult to see and think of myself in those times. Um, I was devastated. I was broken. In both those seasons that I've mentioned here, the greatest enemy in my life was my own unbelief. Because I didn't believe, at least not in those moments of pain and darkness, that God really was in control and that he was going to bring me, or my son for that matter, out of the horrible situation that I felt was taking me over and ruining my life. It took a lot of time. Um, It took a lot of uh, having really wise people fully grounded in their own faith around me to help me finally see that pain and sadness did not have to be the determining factor of who we are in life. Yes, you know, we will experience pain and hardship, but we don't have to let those times control us or be all of who we are. Yes, we'll go through it, but it doesn't define us. I still struggle with that from time to time. The season that I'm in right now, one of financial uncertainty, is that I'm as I'm still unemployed after several months. I'm still learning that that does not have to define who I am. I have been fortunate enough to have an amazing wife who happens to love working and who has a pretty good job, and to have friends and family around us who have been willing to hold us up when we needed it. And I'm also learning that God brings certain weather into our lives for certain reasons. And this stormy season, if you want to call it that, is to help me see something important. While I might not fully know what that is right this minute, I know that it is important that I listen. God is speaking. I know he's speaking. And the greatest barrier for me to hear what he has to tell me, what he has to tell all of us, is us. We just need to get out of the way. So I challenge you then to join me in throwing our pride, our ego, our desire for control, our need to curate everything about us and to simply be raw and broken and messy and willing to be okay with all of that as God doesn't see any of it. He sees us as his children and he loves us more than we could ever fathom. All we have to do is simply show up and acknowledge that we are not God and he is and to devote ourselves to him and him alone. So who's with me? I do hope that you will join me as this is a journey most successfully taken with others. So join me. Let's do this. Thank you for joining us today on the Scripture Thought blog and podcast. Join us next time as we continue to dive into our lives through Scripture and music.